This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Good morning. I want to welcome you, whether you're live in the house, alive, and whether, you're, whether you are live and alive in the house, or whether you are joining us live online or in a podcast throughout this week, we are so glad you are here today, and we are in the second week of Advent, so let me light our Advent candle, number two. Advent is always a special season, and this is, uh, I love Christmas season. And as you know, we handed out the uh, Generosity Project last night. We, gave, we passed out a card to everybody, and it's just a $50 gift card to City Market. Um, just something small that you can take with you to go out and give life uh, to somebody else. And if you are new with us or a visitor or just listening with us, we want to be the kind of church that doesn't just say we love God and love people, but that we do it. We put our money where our mission is. And so I would like you, the reason we do this, the reason we don't pass a plate except for around this season and we pass a plate to hand out money is uh, because we want to be that church. We want to be that church that loves God in word and in deed, and that we would go forth as his people to transform our communities. And so while this is just a small token, with it comes the opportunity for you to step out in faith and say, uh, my church is, uh, we're doing this, and, and God led me to give this to you. And I want to invite you to come to church with me. And so this is an opportunity for you to speak and give into somebody's life. So we're going to hand those out again at the end. And again, if you have been doing that and you handed out your card already, I would love to hear your stories on that and um, also your kids' stories or whoever else is doing this with you. But it's, it's an exciting time to be a part of the orchard. As we are in Advent week two, we are looking at faith, the virtue of faith this week. And our subject is Mary and Joseph. And I know, if I know anything, I know this. When, we, when there's a subject that is so familiar to us, we kind of go, like we want, don't you want something new in church? And you're like, Mary and Joseph, yeah, I know that. Like the baby and the manger and the lowing and the animals and the swaddling and all the swaddling. I get it. I know the story. But for Christmas, it's good to pull aside. And my hope today is that, and here's my prayer every week, is that even if it's familiar to you, that we would open our heart and that God would do something new, and that you would leave here challenged to go be and do some things in a different way than you walked in here. That's my prayer, is that we leave transformed, not because of a good sermon and good music, because we can't do anything good enough to do that, but because you have had an encounter with the Almighty God and His Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you. As we look at Mary and Joseph, we have to remember they are real people, they have real issues. There's real drama in here. So one thing we're going to do is, as we look at this story, look at what's actually happening. And let's just dive in and read Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now Mary is likely a teenager, perhaps in her early 20s. She's a small town girl. How many of you grew up in a small town? You know what it's like, right? Yeah, I grew up right here in this town, and, and, and so I get small towns, but she was in a town with one well, and likely that meant 50 people, at the most 100 people in her small village, and, and everyone knows everyone, especially if you're in a small one well town, everyone knows everyone. I remember growing up, and I mean, if you, I, I, went, to, I went to school with people from kindergarten all the way to graduation, and if you get a nickname in kindergarten, it's never leaving you. 
Like, remember that time in kindergarten when you did that thing? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been 15 years, but thanks for reminding me. Like, like, in a small town, everyone knows everybody, and there's a familiarity there. Like, I, I remember growing up in a small town, and, and I would be driving home in high school at some point, and I would get home, and my dad would say, so you were, you were speeding on 82, huh? And be like, What? Yeah, and I just knew that such a small town that someone knows his car and I'm in it, and it just, you know, small town life. Well, her community was small. Everyone knew everybody. It wasn't a wealthy group of people. These were people working hard season to season to provide for their, their livelihood. They raised their children. They raised crops, their livestock. They didn't have a lot of the big city excitement going on there. Not in this small village. In fact, their homes, not only was their town small, but their homes, it was likely, based on the culture of this time, a one-bedroom living house. Everyone kind of had the same bedroom. Like Mary didn't run into her bed and jump on it as a teenager and like you have an NSYNC poster on her wall. She shared it with her sister, her brother, and her family. Like this, this was a small town, small home, perhaps small dreams. She grew up walking to the well for water, doing whatever work needed to be done. She had responsibilities, a humble life, and likely not a lot of drama um, that would, with a life that would be led this way. She worked hard because she had to. They all did. But something big is about to happen to Mary, and actually, there's already something that Mary's excited about. And it's already been stated. Mary was pledged to be married. Now, the word pledged there in your translation, it might say engaged. That's what we think of. But the word is betrothal. Betrothal is not a word we use much today. and It's much different than an engagement. I mean, if you're engaged in our culture you, and you want to break it off, all you do is take off the ring and throw it at the guy and then change your Facebook status and it's over. But back then, there was more of a legally binding uh, way to navigate betrothal. The Bible talks about marriage in terms of covenant and consummation. And betrothal is unique because betrothal is the season um, after you've covenanted, but you have not yet consummated. And there's a legally binding um, nature to it that's much more than being engaged. And so she is covenanted, betrothed, to marry this guy Joseph, and they haven't yet consummated. Now Joseph is a young man, likely in his 20s as well, and we have to put ourselves in this story Again, put yourself in the text. Don't just read through it. God gave you a beautiful imagination as a gift. And so put yourself in these things as you read them. Because remember, there's 50 to 100 people in this small town. There's two small town kids. They've grown up together. Their families know each other. Joseph has known Mary maybe his whole life. They've worshipped together. They, they've worked together. They, they, their families have always known each other. Now, based on their proximity, it could have been that they already fell in love years ago. You know, she had the crush in second grade and, you know, all those things. It could be that just by the proximity of their families, they were already in love or it was arranged based on the culture. But for Mary, this is a joyful time as she's betrothed to a young man that she's come to know and to love. And her wedding preparation, if you remember our Exodus series that we've suspended for the, the holiday season, we talked about betrothal. It's a one-year one calendar year betrothal. And so she has this one year and all these preparations are underway and there's some excitement because, I mean, the whole town's gonna be there. Like, what's your guest list? Well, 50, because that's how many are here. And everybody knows everybody. It's gonna be a big party and, and little Joey and Mary are getting married. It's gonna be a big deal, you know? So she, she has big dreams for, for that. 
And there's nothing in the text that would tell us that Mary is a young, rebellious woman. And we see later on in her life that she continues to show that her deep nature and character. And we don't know why exactly God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. But the more we read about her, we get clues about her deep faith and her strong character. And she's a great example to many of us to follow in some ways. That she's, Mary spent her early time preparing herself for a future she was not aware of. She had no idea what was about to happen in her life, but she was preparing her character and faith for whatever God would do. And so I just want to stop and ask the question right now, and you can ask yourself in your heart, God, what do you have for me in the future? Like, wouldn't it be great if he just told you? You know, it's a prayer I have with my kids every night is is have them pray, God, what is your plan for my life? That's such an important prayer for our children to daily be asking because as adults we are still wondering that god like what's your plan for my life and so god what's your plan for us for you for me for our future and am i following the example of mary i don't yet know the plan you may have for me or what's coming in the future but am i preparing my faith and my character now for whatever god would lead me to am i following jesus now for what he's going to reveal to me then You see, many of us are waiting for God to show us all that's next, and then we'll start getting ready. That's not how faith often works. Instead, we're called to walk in faith in the present. And and whatever the future brings, we arrive at that place armed with the faith that we have been walking in. So prepare yourself in faith for what God's going to bring to your life tomorrow. Strengthen your faith today because uncertainty will come tomorrow or in the future. It's important, it's important to follow Jesus in the now, in the preparing, in the character building, because there are amazing things and difficult things coming for each of us that we can't yet foresee. There are people that God wants you to lead to Jesus. He does. He wants you to speak to people, and by the way you live your life, and by the, the way you love them, the way you speak to them, he wants them to perhaps join you in church and Someday join you in heaven by the way you live. There are hard seasons in your future that will require greater amounts of maturity from you. So we pursue Jesus in the present because we don't yet know what's ahead. We pursue him now, preparing for what he has for us then. So what do you think Mary was thinking about as she was doing all this? What do you think she was doing before all this news from heaven came? I mean, if we can put ourselves back and, and imagine what she might be thinking, I, I'm guessing it was something like, I'm going to marry Joseph, we'll move into his, his house. He's building an addition onto his father's house, as is tradition. We, don't, we won't have a lot of money, um, but we're going to work hard. We're going to start a family together here in this village where this is all we've known, and we're going to, uh, to raise children. We're going to serve God with our lives. Certainly, Certainly this young woman wouldn't have any aspirations when we meet her to go down in history as the most famous, famous woman on the planet. Uh, there was no aspiration that, that, that Mary like, wanted to, I hope I'm famous and that they're talking about me thousands of years from now. She's young, but she's committed to God and she's committed to Joseph. And now let's look at Joseph who's betrothed to Mary. In Matthew 1, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ went like this. Mary, his mother, had been promised to marry Joseph before they were married. It was learned that she was to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was her promised husband. He was a good man and faithful to the law. The law is the Old Testament. He was a man of faith. He was a man who followed God's way. 
He was a good man. This tells us he has strong faith and good character. If you have a daughter, you want her to marry a guy like Joseph, who has a strong faith and a good character. Now, Joseph loves Mary, and, and he's ready to get through this betrothal. Like, there's this year-long betrothal. He's got his work to do, build onto the house and these things, but he is ready to build on to the life that he has and move on into these things. But we read here in, in Matthew that Mary's pregnant. And we have to pause because we are so familiar with the fact that she's pregnant. And oh, oh doesn't she know it's Jesus? And, and doesn't he know it's the Son of God? And like, it's, it's going to work out, right? We, but, but, but put yourselves in the real-time story. Because if we just read over it with familiarity and religious eyes, we miss all the shock and the drama and the reality. Uh, do you know who was shocked in this story? Joseph. I mean, can you imagine the, that one little sentence that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine Joseph being Joseph and you're, uh, you're engaged, you're the woman, your fiancé coming to tell you that? See, 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 we take it in the Bible and it's so nice and tidy and religious, but, but we lose the Mary Povich, who's the father, vert, like, kind of like the feel that goes into this actually. Like someone's pregnant and Joseph's not the father. And, and when that happens... There's drama, and there's hurt, there's betrayal, there's anger, and there's anger. Why, God? All those things would have been present. It would have pained him. He, I mean, you have to imagine, he'd grown up with Mary. He's known Mary maybe perhaps his whole life. He, he, I, I don't know how long he's loved her, but we know from what we're going to read that he loves her deeply. He's worked hard as an apprentice builder to, to provide a place for her and a life for her and the life they're building. He's treated her honorably and he stayed pure. His marriage pro, uh, proposal had been approved by her dad, which is probably a pretty scary thing for Joseph as that happened. And, and it's also been approved by the elders of, this, of, of the village. They were betrothed. The wedding was being planned. Everyone in town was talking about it. They were happy for them. The wedding was going to be a big deal, and then he gets this devastating news that Mary is pregnant. And you can imagine him thinking, Mary? Like, my Mary? That just doesn't sound like my Mary. Uh, I know her. I've worshipped with her. I've, I've known her my whole life. I've saved myself for her, and she's pregnant? This would have been earth-shattering, heartbreaking for Joseph. And, and, and before we ask, look what Joseph does, guys, what would you have done? Put yourself in this position. What would you have done? You, you truly never know until you're in this position. But, but Joseph shows us his character. You know, they're in a small town where reputations can last a lifetime. You have a fiancé who's pregnant with a baby that is not yours. And even if you lie about it, and say it is. People are going to know that not everything was kosher in how the uh, betrothal went before the consummation. There's just drama at every side here. He has hopes for his future that are destroyed. He has dreams that are dashed. And he has sadness, anger, and betrayal. True emotion in him. But notice what happens next. Let's, let's review and read. The birth of Jesus was like this. Mary, his mother, had been promised to marry Joseph. But before they were married, he learned that he had... She was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a promised husband, a good man, faithful to the law, and did not want to make it hard and difficult for Mary in front of people. He thought it would be good to break the promised marriage 
without people knowing it. There's a lot to read into that to know about Joseph and how he's made, the kind of character he, he's ha- he has. We have a young man pledged to be married and betrothal, this legally binding, more legally binding than an engagement. And there would have been legal action that would have taken, needed, if he was going to break it off. And in a small town, this small village where everyone knows everyone, can you imagine the scandal and the shame that would have been present here? Joseph loves Mary. He was excited about, his, about marrying her, but this, this is too much, and we can't blame him, right? We, we shouldn't blame him. You're, you're pregnant, and it's God's? Okay. Joseph hadn't consummated the betrothal. He doesn't know what all's happening or why she's saying this. He planned to marry her and divorce her quietly. And I believe this shows both his character and his love for Mary. Based on ancient laws and customs of this time, did you know that Joseph actually could have had her killed? Based on the culture and the laws of this time, he could have simply gone to the elders and told them, and the village, with tears in their eyes, would have shown up and stoned her to death. That's what could have happened. She had broken a covenant in their culture that should not be broken. Mary is pregnant and Joseph is not believing her story. He could very easily have gone that route. The bare minimum, that, that's on the extreme side. The other side is he could have just broken off the whole thing. I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to move on with my life. And the entire village would have just seen her shame as she she is now single. It's broken off and she's going to um, be pregnant and have this baby there in their midst with all that goes on with that. He loved God. He loved Mary. And despite this devastating revelation, Joseph, he didn't want to stay married to her. While he did love her, he did not want to continue and be married to her, but he didn't want to see her life destroyed. He didn't want to spend his life with her, but he didn't want to ruin her life either. And so he planned to do what he believed was the most honorable thing he could do, and that was quietly go through with it, smile, do the dance, have, you know, throw the bouquet, all the stuff, smash the glass, and then quietly divorce her. And that would be the most honorable way that she would not be shamed. That requires an, an, an incredible amount of character. And love for somebody. Many men in this position would not have done that and would have been looking for revenge or at least just to get out and she can deal with her own mess. But Joseph didn't want to go through with that and ruin her reputation. And so while deeply wounded, he wanted to move forward with what was best. And, and how would you have responded in this, in, in this circumstance? Or, or to make it more personal, how are you doing in the places right now where you've been wronged? The circumstances are probably wildly different than this. But there's likely something in your life where there's tension relationally. Marriage, friendship, work, coworkers. There's probably conflict. There, there might be something that, that you think about more than, than you'd like to admit. Some people that in arguments you're having with shampoo bottles where you just let them have it, you know. You really get them this time. How are you doing with the people that you feel have wronged you? Do you have a love for God and for people that lead you to respond like Joseph did? I mean, responding in honor? A good man, but dealing with bad news. I'm sure Mary is terrified. Can you imagine her having that conversation with Joseph? I'm sure that conversation was difficult for, for both of them. Her terrified, him angry, 
And Joseph probably, um, again, this is not in the word, but I'm guessing went to bed that night, stayed up late, couldn't sleep, tears in his eyes, anger, and fell into a fitful sleep. And in verse 20, we pick up. While Joseph was thinking about this, while it's on his mind, of course, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She is to become the mother. She has become a mother by the Holy Spirit. And a son will be born to her. And you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from the punishment of their sins. He will, so not only are you going to have a son, but he will save his people from the punishment of their sins. This happened, as the Lord said it would happen, through a prophet. So this is fulfilling Old Testament prophecies and prophets who said, this is Isaiah, the young woman who has never been with a man will give birth to a son. They'll give him the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is coming to our planet, to our people. So it says while Joseph was thinking about this, He's sitting there in the pain, in the, in the heartbreak, in the betrayal, in the uncertainty, falls asleep, and his evening is, com- is, is as if it wasn't already crazy enough, now it's com- in- inconceivable as he has this dream. He's visited by God's messenger who explains it all, not just like what's happening now, but that this son, what's going to happen in the future and who he's going to be. And he awakens from this, and, and, and he awakens, and I, I'm guessing he wasn't like, man, what did I eat last night? That was a weird dream. He knew, like, this was God. Like, that was a visitation. That was a vision dream. And now he's laying there. You know, when you wake up, he's laying there in his bed going, I have some decisions to make. Either continue with my plan to divorce Mary quietly and deal with the shame and all that and move on, but, but not having to deal with a lifetime of scandal. He could, he, could, he could get out of it. She would deal with it, but he could move on. Or do you obey the divine declaration of God's messenger? Now, I have, I have a rule in my life. It's just a life rule. I don't know if you guys have this. That if an angel ever visits me and tells me something from God, I, I'm going to take that route. Um, <laughs> but jokes aside, it might seem like an easy decision. But again, if you put yourself in the drama of the moment, Even with God saying, I want you to do this, it's not easy. Now, we can get that because we know some things that God's asked us to do. We know it, but it's not easy, is it? And oftentimes, we put it off and take the easy route. Now, just imagine the implication if Joseph decides to be obedient to the angel. He's going to marry a young young woman who's pregnant and the baby is not his. He's going to be the laughing stock in this village and people as it all gets out. And it's going to be hilarious to some people that Joseph married a woman who got pregnant and she convinced him that the baby was God's. Like We know the story and it's sacred, so we don't laugh at that. But can you imagine? Can you imagine how that would have spread? What a fool they would think he was. If he chooses this, it would follow him the rest of their life. And guess what? It does. In fact, it follows Jesus. In in John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to religious priests and religious Pharisees, the religious elite. He's talking to them as an adult. And listen to what they say to him in John. It says, at least we're not illegitimate children. We know who our father is. What do you think they're talking about? This followed him. It followed Jesus. 
At least we know who our father is. At least we are not illegitimate children. There are ancient Hebrew writings about Jesus that are are not kind to Mary and call her words we can't say in church. This follows them even now. And Joseph had to make this difficult decision. What do I do? Obey God and let this follow me, my wife, and my son our whole life? And here's the bottom line. What God is asking of Joseph isn't easy. If he says yes to God's plan, it's going to complicate his life and have implications. It would be much more easy and comfortable for Joseph to go with his plan. So, Orchard, we have these very same crossroads. Do I say yes to living for God and following his plan? Which will have a difficulty. It's not easy in some ways. It's going to take me out of my comfort zone. It's going to cost me some reputation even at work or home or somewhere. Or do I just stick with my script, my plan, which is a little bit easier, a little less, a little less risk. You see, there's been a growing belief in our Christian culture that God's greatest purpose for our life is he wants us to be happy. Now, none of us like to, we don't want to admit that that's our theology, but we live that out often. And when something bad happens in our life, the amount of anger and disappointment we have with God is an indication that we expected God to make us happy. It is part of our Christian culture that we believe God wants me happy. I have sat with people who've made decisions, long-lasting, far-reaching decisions in their life, and they've told me God doesn't want me to be unhappy. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If that sentence ever comes out of your mouth, let it be a a dashboard light that goes off. And whatever decision you're about to make, stop. Stop for a second and pause. Because God's purposes for you on this earth are not to be happy. That's not his primary goal. We find throughout the Bible that God's primary interest is not making us happy, but making us whole and healthy growing our faith, growing our maturity, and calling us to his purposes. If you're a parent, you get this. Like, we don't want to parent children with the goal of making them happy. That doesn't become a healthy adult. We don't want to parent children with the goal of making them happy. We want to raise and equip children, catch this, who can choose joy even when it's hard. We want to raise children who don't jettison everything just to be happy, but they realize even in the hardship they can find joy. That's maturity. God's primary concern isn't with our happiness or our ease. It's our character and it's our faith. And when when God asked Joseph to do something here, it, 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 it taps that place of happiness and hardship. God asked Joseph to do the most difficult thing he could imagine in the circumstance. And Joseph has to choose between the hard path, it's going to be difficult, or his plan that has some more ease and happiness. And thank goodness he chose obedience to God's call over his temporary happiness. Had he chosen the temporary gratification, he would have missed out on the greatest purposes God had for him. Joseph got to parent be a daddy, and raise the Son of God. He, got to, he knew Jesus as a child. And guess what? When we choose happiness, when we choose ease over obedience, we can miss out on the greatest calling 
of our lives. God's not going to force you into what he's called you to. And we can miss that by choosing happiness and comfort over faith and character. Joseph is human, and therefore, we know this was not an easy decision. Can you imagine Joseph's conversation with God the next morning? This is not what I had in mind. This is not how it was supposed to go. Like, like when I said yes to you, I didn't think this is how marriage would go. I didn't think this is how life would go. This was not my plan for my life. Orchard, I have, I have like had that conversation with God. But I did everything you, I did everything you would want. And this is what happens? As if God was supposed to make me happy if I obeyed. Like just by obedience or by doing the right thing, I get happiness. This is not the plan I had for my life. This is not the plan you were supposed to give me. But God has a higher purpose. And he calls us to faith and obedience. How many of us have thought the same sort of conversation Joseph had that this was not what I had in mind for my marriage or my work or my life or my faith? I didn't know this would happen. How many times have we said this? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that the failure would be this catastrophic. I didn't know that the divorce would hurt this bad. I didn't know the addiction would be that crippling. I didn't know that there would be this much baggage. I didn't know that they'd get sick. I didn't know how I would get so sick. I didn't know that having children would be this hard. I didn't know that, God, you would allow these things to happen. I didn't see my life taking this turn. Orchard, these are very real circumstances. You are facing them somewhere in your life right now. And this, this is the circumstance. These are the places where people choose to walk away from God. Because God didn't follow their script for how they wanted their life to go. And therefore, I'm done. They had a path, they had a plan, and God didn't follow it. They look at what God calls them to and say, no thanks. I'm going to go live according to my personal plan that seems easier. And it's not, and it leads to greater heartbreak. But man, it's easier in the moment. And in that, often we miss the divine purposes and opportunities God is he's inviting us into. See, Joseph was faced, faced with this. Follow God and, and those hardships or follow his plan and walk away. He didn't sign up for this. Many people would consider this a curse, but God revealed to Joseph that this was something far greater. God showed him, Joseph, what you're facing right here, this is from me. It's not a curse. It's an opportunity. I'm asking you to raise my son because of the kind of man that you are. Some of us need to realize that the problems we're facing in our marriage, at our work, in our life, the things we didn't sign up for, we think they're a curse, but they're an opportunity. The very thing that we believe is breaking us down, God is going to use that in our character to break through. And for many of us, we are uninterested in what God has for us because it comes wrapped in hardship. And it comes wrapped in difficult decisions. But God has a calling on our life, a purpose, a destiny for each of us. No matter how old, no matter how far you've wandered, no matter what your life has been about, God has a calling and destiny for you. And it's going to require character, and it's going to require faith. God's way is not the easiest, but it's worth it. Because he placed you on this earth, 
He created you who you were, with the gifts you have, placed you where you are, with the people you're around, to do what he asks, to illuminate Jesus, to speak love, to act in love. And many of you might already be in a hard marriage, hard family circumstance, hard work circumstance, hard health battle. Know that God entrusted Joseph with a very hard situation because Joseph was the kind of man to walk in faith and strength and character. And Mary is the kind of woman who walks forward in faith and faith and character. And maybe God wants you in the circumstance you find yourself in to walk forward like Joseph, not breaking character and keeping and stepping out in faith. Or to walk like Mary, that with faith and strength, you have trust in God's plan even when you can't see how this could be good. Even when you can't see where it's leading, to have trust in him. Based on what we see in the Bible and these two kids right here, God often gives his strongest followers the toughest assignments. Because there's an opportunity to illuminate God in a way the world can't imagine. We are called to be people to carry the light of Christ that when we go through the dark valley, when we go through our hardships, our diagnosis, the breakings, all those things, that we, we illuminate God and show people who Jesus is by the way that we have peace, strength, and character as we walk in faith through the hardships of life. And the places right now that are the hardest for you, the most uncertain, those are the places where God wants you to step out in faith, to walk forward in character and know that Jesus is with you. It's not easy. I get that. God's plan is to invite you out of your comfort zone. And that's where the Spirit moves the most. The Spirit moves outside of our comfort zone to work in us and work through us in ways we can't imagine. No one has ever changed the world in their comfort zone. And God has an exhilarating, life-changing experiences for you on the other side of saying yes and stepping out of your comfort zone. If you never leave your comfort zone, I'm going to say this, then you have no need for faith. If you never leave your comfort zone, you don't have any need for faith. Faith is stepping into uncertainty. Faith is stepping out that requires courage, that requires trust. Stepping around your comfort zone requires none of those things. We claim to have faith, but we've never stepped out. We've never felt the exhilaration or the nausea of trusting God to go speak to somebody. This right here is a small example of getting us out of our comfort zone to go speak and hand and act just to get us to step out of our comfort zone in faith and go give away something to bless people. If we don't step out of our comfort zones, Orchard, we have no need for our faith. Faith is required when things are hard, when things are uncertain. God is calling us to step out of comfort zones. God's calling us to step onto uncertainty. God's calling us to, to, to trust him and not flee from those areas. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. If you want a religion to make you really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. And we laugh. Let me ask you a question. How comfortable is your Christianity? <laughs> you see, our culture has allowed us a Christianity that's so comfortable 
We don't have to give sacrificially. We don't have to step out and speak. We don't have to risk losing reputation to people by, by living our faith in a way that would cause any attention to us. We, our culture has designed a Christianity that is completely comfortable. And C.S. Lewis's quote is just an indictment to me as I read that and looked at my life and wrestled with this, that my faith, my, my, my religion, my, it is all so comfortable, and yet I'm called to follow a revolutionary rabbi who gets up and leaves every day, and I must choose, do I follow him into uncertainty or stay back where it's easy? This is why the Generosity Project is just a little step out to get uncomfortable to get uncomfortable in faith and in character and stepping out. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary home as his wife. They got married. They did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. He chose to leave his comfort zone. He went through with the, with the wedding. He did the whole thing. He took the difficult path. It wasn't easy. He didn't divorce her quietly later. It wasn't easy, but it was blessed. He chose to say yes to God, even though it wasn't what he had planned for his life. He got to experience a purpose that transcended anything he could have ever imagined. And an orchard, when, when, when God, God has a calling and a purpose for each of us that is larger than we can imagine. And it's always hard when I say that. You're like, yeah, life's pretty boring. It's pretty regular. It's pretty normal. The most my blood pressure goes up is on Highway 82 or a football game. Like, like, we get used to our lives, but God has a purpose and a calling upon you to step out, to be exhilarated as you step out in faith. You see, life on the other side of saying yes to Jesus and being obedient is where he wants us to live. Saying yes to God when it'd be so much easier to be quiet, to be comfortable, to hang back, to not say anything. So what is God asking of you? Like, what is God asking you to do at your place of work that you've decided to be comfortable in your faith? Who is he asking you to open your, your life to, your heart to, your wallet to, your testimony to? Who is he asking you to go give away words of encouragement and life and invitations to join what God is doing? It could be that right now you're in circumstances that are not in any way what you would have scripted for your life. There are areas of your life where you did not dream you would be where you are, facing what you are. And saying yes to Jesus, even in the difficulty of these dark valleys, isn't comfortable. In your journey, you've accumulated wounds and you've accumulated scars on this journey. But you've, you've, you've had experiences that have led you right here today. You've been through those dark valleys, those difficult seasons, and right here and right now, you're facing something. Where are you currently in those places? And I would say a couple things, two things for you to do based on Mary and Joseph and their example. And the first one is, don't cave in your character. One of the greatest temptations to do is when life gets hard is to begin to cave in our character and find some sense of control or relief or numbing out. I would say that don't cave in your character. We see that in Joseph. We see that in Mary. When faced with incredible hardships and difficulty, they didn't do that. And, and if you're going through something, a relational uh, conflict, betrayal, anything, just because somebody else's character caved and crumbled doesn't mean yours has to. You can stand with your character intact in the hardest of hardships. And the second one is this in those places. Step out in faith. Say yes in obedience. 
Again, our faith is there for a reason. Faith is stepping into uncertainty. And so in those places right now where you are in the hardship or facing a crossroads, don't cave in your character and step out in faith, knowing that when you courageously do those two things, God's Spirit joins you. He's calling you in those places. And it could be on the other side of your steps of faith is the redemption and the reconciliation or whatever it be that you desire most and that God has for you. Orchard, what, I, what we've been building over the years, if you've been here, or even if you're new with us, we want to be a church who doesn't just do good church and do religious things. We want to be a church that takes Jesus at his word, believes who he is, decides to follow him, and step out in faith where it's difficult, knowing that holiness and character matter to us because it matters to God. And so from Mary and Joseph, we learn these things. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, as I have looked at faces throughout this entire service and know some of the situations and some of you have highlighted to me, Lord, and what they're going through, I pray for strength right now. I pray for strength in the hardship and strength in those places of uncertainty. I pray for, Lord, I pray for, for just your presence and the heartbreak. Lord, and where there is tension and conflict, I pray your grace will begin to move. I pray you would give us the courage to speak to forgive, to ask forgiveness. Lord, I pray that our character would hold us. And Father, I also ask that you would have us be the church that gets used to stepping out in faith. That we exercise that. That we step out in uncertainty in those places. So would you speak to us in the, right now this morning and show us those areas to step out into and what that looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go into the, this uh, Christmas song, about uh, what God has done. If you would like to take communion on your own, or if you're new with us, communion is something that we remember Jesus and his sacrifice with his body and his blood. And you are welcome to take it at your own convenience. But when you do, take a moment, confess your sins to him, knowing he forgives you. And then thank him for the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And then why don't we stand and worship together this morning. Amen.